You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning and good evening, wherever you are. It's great to have you with us. I'm Robert Carrillo, and we're here at Metro Vision Studios. And uh, today we have a very exciting lesson or an exciting study. We're going to study this together. And the study is Gideon. And the title is Go in the Strength You Have. And I think it's one of the great classic stories of the Bible that is so important. There's so many powerful lessons here for us to learn, for us to be strengthened in, for us to be inspired by. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. We're going old school this morning. There's no slides. We're going to be looking at our Bibles. So I want to encourage you, if you've got a paper Bible, open it up. If not, go ahead and open, turn on your phone or your iPad or whatever you got going. Um, but we're going to read through together and we're going to pull out the gold and the nuggets and the, the good stuff that I think will, if we listen carefully, will very much speak to us and strengthen our souls. So Gideon chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for 700 years he gave, for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, rather neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Okay, so a little background here. You know, if, if, if you remember the story, uh, I'll, I'll go back and start with Moses. Moses gets sent and he leads his people out. He leads them all the way to the promised land. They have to wander around 40 years and Joshua leads them into the promised land. And they take the promised land and they get, and they take the whole promised land. They get established and then comes the time of judges. And here's where we are in the book of judges and the judges in the time of judges. Of course, as often, unfortunately, is the case, the people turned away from God and they drifted away from him. They were not close to him anymore. And they began to worship the false gods of the land. Part of what they did not do, as God had commanded, was drive out or finish the people of that land. And they allowed some to exist. They allowed them, allowed them to stay. And just as God warned them, those people influenced them and they began to worship their false gods. And despite the fact that God warned them and warned them, they did not listen. So that's the background. Now what's happening here is the Midianites are rising up. They've come to power and there's so many of them. I mean, it says they're like locusts or their camels are like locusts. You can't even count them. They would, they, they're, they're just ravishing the land. So the, the Israelites, they can't even eat their own crops. They're, they're, they, every time they grow their crops, the Midianites come in and take all their food and leave. And then, you know, it's incredibly humbling when somebody takes your food. That's just, there's something that's, that's like deep down shameful. There's something deep down 
hurtful about somebody taking your food. You could tap into like a really deep down raw nature of somebody by reaching over and grabbing their food and see what happens, right? And that's what was happening. They were being totally humiliated to the point where they were hiding in caves. They were hiding and they weren't even, I mean, this was their land. This was the promised land. This was the gift that God gave them. And they couldn't even hang on to it. They were just getting beaten down. And so what do they finally do? Well, they, they cry out to the Lord. Verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord of the God, the God of Israel says. Now, first of all, I want to point this out. They cry out to God for help. What does he do? He sends them a prophet. Classic God. This is what God does. When people are hurting, when there's a great need, when people are praying, what does he do? He sends somebody. He sends a man of God. He sends a woman of God. He sends a prophet. He sends somebody who will tell you the truth. Somebody who will preach to you the gospel. Somebody who will reach out to you on God's behalf. He always does that. I know we all want our own personal angel to come and visit us. And sometimes that has happened in the Bible. But to be honest, very few. A handful of times. The other millions and millions and millions and even billions of people that have existed on this planet have had to learn from somebody else, from somebody who God sent them, not necessarily an angel, but God did send them a prophet. And let's see what the prophet says. He says, he says, um, this is what the Lord of God of Israel, this is where in verse eight says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the Lord, worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So the, 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 the prophet comes and he, and he basically tells him God's perspective. Look, I did this for you. 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 I set you up to win. And what did you do? You didn't listen to me. And this is really key. This is probably one of the, the key nuggets in this whole thing is listening to God. You know, as God's people, we have our ups and downs. We have times that everything's just going great. And then we have times where nothing seems to be going great. And we have times where we're suffering. We have times where things are tough. We have times where we're getting beat down by the world. Just like they were getting beat down by the Midianites. We have times that are humbling in our lives. Just like they were being humbled. We have times sometimes that are humiliating. Just like they were being humiliated. And if we're smart, we'll cry out to God. If we're smart, we'll turn to him. And God will send people. But then the key is, are we listening? Are we listening to the message that God is telling us? And this is what he said to them. You didn't listen to me. You know, I say it all the time. Why did God give us two ears and one mouth? So we'd listen twice as much as we speak. I would say it's so easy to not listen to God. 
I mean, we, even when we pray, we talk, we talk, we talk, but we, do we stop and listen? When we read our Bibles, do we realize that God is speaking to us? And are we listening? Even now, as we're reading Joshua 6, we need to hear what God is saying to us. Are we listening? The angel of the Lord came. Now Gideon gets an angel. God sends a prophet, and the prophet gives his message. And now Gideon is one of those handful that he gets an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love this scene because, okay, first of all, it's an angel of the Lord. What does an angel of the Lord look like? I don't know. They're not the paintings. They're not, they don't look like they do in the paintings. Because oftentimes angels show up and people don't even know they're angels. Now the, 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 the resurrected Jesus' angels, they were blazing light. Maybe it was like that, or maybe it was more like a normal person. I don't know. But the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to Gideon. Gideon is in the wine press. That's a, that's a hole where you squish all the grapes to make wine. Why is he in a hole? Because he's actually not making wine. He's preparing food. He's preparing the wheat to make food, to make bread. Why is he doing it in a hole? Because he has to hide from the Midianites. Again, personally humiliating when you can't even hang on to your own food when you're that weak. I, I always think about, you know, the little kid in the cafeteria who the big kids come and bully and take his peanut butter and jelly sandwich and there's nothing he can do about it because he's little and he's weak and the big kids are big and they're tough and they'll pound him if he says anything. It's just a humiliating place to be. And that's where Gideon is. This is where we find Gideon. And look what the angel of the Lord says. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I mean, I'm betting that when Gideon heard this, he probably turned around and was like, you talking to me? Because Gideon was well aware. I mean, he's hiding in a wine press. And the angel just addresses him as mighty warrior. I'm thinking Gideon felt like anything but a mighty warrior. In verse 13, he says, uh, pardon me, my Lord. You know, this is just, this is such a classic scene. Uh, excuse me, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? This is a million dollar question. This is a great question. Because the angel says, the Lord is with you, Gideon. And Gideon says, wait, hold up here. If the Lord is with me, why am I hiding in a wine press? Why can't I even hang on to my food? Why has all this happened to us? You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, I'm one of God's people, but why is all this stuff happening to me? Why aren't things going right? Why isn't what I prayed for happened? That's an honest, honest question. And I think it's a question... Sooner or later, we all get once in a while. God, what's up? What's going on? Why is this happening? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And he says, where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us 
and given us into the hand of Midian. He says, you know, we heard all these stories about the past. We heard about the pillar of fire. We heard about the angel of death. We heard about, we heard about the, the hail from the sky that was on fire. We heard about bread falling from the sky. We heard about the mountain of thunder and lightning and God speaking. We heard about the Jordan rivers opening up and, and then being able to cross on dry land. We heard about all these wonders, but what's happening now? Now we're like humiliated. He said, and, and the conclusion he comes to is the Lord has abandoned us. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, okay, I've heard about all these great things that used to happen in the eighties and the nineties, but what's happening now? Where's God now? Where's all those miracles now? I mean, we're just hanging on right here. That maybe God has abandoned us. We feel that. I mean, we don't, we're, we're too smart to say that. We don't say that. And we know that if we say that, then somebody's going to correct us or, or jump on us. But, but it is how we feel sometimes. Like, God left me. I'm sitting here suffering and things aren't going well and things aren't happening like they should. Where is he? It's what Gideon was feeling. And, and the one thing I love about Gideon, he's just honest. He's totally honest. He's like, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm hiding in a wine press. What do you mean the Lord is with me? I hear all these great stories, but I haven't seen any. I think the God, I think the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him. Now this is an interesting thing. We don't know exactly who the angel of the Lord is, but he is so much the representative of God that he starts out saying the angel of the Lord, but now it says the Lord turned to him. The Lord speaks directly through him. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now here's the gold, guys. He says, you know, we well, first we, Midian, I mean, excuse me, Gideon is very aware of how weak his situation is very aware of the strength they do not have very, very aware of their humiliation and their beaten down state. And a lot of times we're very aware of what we don't have. You know, the background on this is also that, that they didn't even have weapons because what the Midianites, what any conquering people do is first thing they do is they haul off your blacksmiths, the people who could make weapons. The next thing they do is they take away your iron and your metals, so you can't even make weapons. You're, you're, you're defenseless. You can't make swords. You can't make spears. You, you, you know, you, you just, you're, you're weaponless. And they're just, they're, they were so weak. And, and he says, and he says, uh, Go in the strength you have. You see, we too often focus on what we don't have and how weak we are and what we, what resources we don't have and what talents we don't have and what gifts we don't have. And we too often are too aware. I mean, it's, it's, it's self-awareness is a very good thing, but you also have to be God aware. You have to be aware of your weaknesses. Yes. You have to be aware of what you don't have. Yes. But you also have to be aware of what you do have and the gifts that God has given you. 
and the things that you do have. But you also have to be aware that it's not you, it's God who brings the victories. And this is a, this sounds like a preacher's point, but it's very real in life that we use, we, we need to go in the strength we have. In other words, whatever you've got, use it. Whatever you're good at, do it. Whatever you have plenty of, share it. Whatever gifts God has given you, whatever superpowers you possess, use them for the good of others. And don't worry about what superpowers you don't have and what gifts you don't have and what resources you don't have because that's not what really matters. What really matters is the fact that God is sending you. And that's why he ends up saying, am I not sending you? Because that's where the victory is going to come from. Not from how awesome you are. We don't sing, oh God, how great I am. We sing, how God, oh God, how great art thou. Or how great you are. Not us. Not us. So God tells him, go in the strength you have. Am I not sending you? Now, that sounds wonderful. And it should be like, amen, and off we go. But that's not where Gideon was at. His faith was rock bottom in verse 15 he says again uh excuse me you know he says pardon me my lord Gideon replied but how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least of my family I mean Gideon's self-esteem was rock bottom and I know, you know, some of us are, are deceived by nature. We don't see our faults. We don't see our weaknesses. And most of us are accused by nature. We see too much our weaknesses and our faults. We have to be balanced where we're aware of what we don't have, but we're also aware of what we do have. And the biggest thing we have is God. The biggest thing we have is his spirit living in us, the Holy Spirit. And we have to be aware of that. And Gideon was very aware. He said, look, my clan's the weakest clan in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my clan. And that was his self-view. He was, very, he was not feeling very proud of himself. And he certainly wasn't feeling strong. And the Lord answered him, I will be with you. And that's the key that we have to understand. Whatever challenges we're facing, whatever obstacles we run across, whatever, whatever, whatever things, challenges, tests that Satan throws at us, the thing that we have to remember most is God's promise. I will be with you. And that makes all the difference in the world. That changes everything. He says, you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. I, I love this because Gideon is so real. He's so authentic. He's so just being himself. I mean, come on. Angel of the Lord comes and talks to you, and he wants proof. (laughs) 
He wants a test. It's a commandment. Thou shalt not test the Lord. And he's testing God. And God goes with it. God does not punish him. God does not strike him down and say, I'm going to find somebody with a little more faith and a little more courage. No, he capitulates to the test. So Gideon goes out and he prepares a whole sacrifice. And in verse 20, the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. I mean, come on, what an awesome sign. Gideon asked for a sign, he got a sign. I mean, it's kind of a mini version of what Elijah did in Mount Carmel. He puts out the sacrifice and, and, and Gideon tells him to pour out the broth over it, you know, over the rocks. And, and then he touches it and boom, it all flares up and burns. And the angel of the Lord disappears. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Allah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. You see, every Jew knew if you ever saw God face to face, you would die. That's how awesome he is. That is how amazing he is. That is how wonderful he is. That's how incredible it is to be in the presence of God. So much so that God sends an angel to be his front, so to speak, to be a veneer, to protect Gideon from from dying. And so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there. That same night, verse 25, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of his height. Using wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So so Gideon, you know, tests the Lord and says, I want proof. And the Lord gives him proof. And now the Lord tests Gideon and says, okay, now I want you to go and tear, I want you to tear down that statue for Baal and the Asherah pole, that altar, and I want you to burn it up for God. Make a sacrifice for God. I mean, this is like declaring war on their local religion. Of which, by the way, was his father's altar. That was his own dad's altar. God tested him. He tested his faith. You know, to him who's been given much, much is required. God showed him his strength, showed him his power, gave him the sign he asked for. And said, okay, now it's time for you to do something for me. And so verse 27, Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than daytime. Okay, so so he's got a little faith now. And he steps out and he does it, but not total faith. He does it at night just to be safe. And nobody sees him doing this. Back in this time, nobody wandered around at night. Everybody went to bed at night. 
So in the morning, the people of the town got up and there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it, cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? And when they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash. So he gets caught. They figure out quickly who it is. And of course, they want to go after Gideon. Gideon's first test. But it's not his only test of faith. In verse 33, it says, Now all the Midianites and Malachites and other eastern people joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. When the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew a trumpet summoning the Abiezrites to follow him, he sent messengers throughout Manasseh calling them to arms and also to Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali so that they too went up to meet him. So Gideon, <clears throat> he survived overthrowing Baal and Asherah. He's got a little more faith now. And so now God sends him to declare war on these people. And so he blows the horn and calls for all the people to come and to fight for him. And, he's, and remember, the army of the Midianites was thousands, so many that you couldn't count them. They said they were like locusts. There were so many of them. And so Gideon's trying to raise an army. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. And if there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. So Gideon, okay, he steps out and calls for the army, but he's still not quite there. His faith is, is building, but it's not there yet. And sometimes that's where we're at. We have some faith but we need to grow more faith. And, and the amazing thing is he dares to test God again. And he puts this whole fleece out and he says, okay, God, if you're going to give me the victory, make the wool wet, damp, and everything else dry. And of course, you know, it happens. And it says in verse 38, and that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. God showed it to him. But check out Gideon, verse 39. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. I mean... He's so pushing it with God. And it shows you how gracious and patient God is. I mean, I don't know about you, but you got to be thankful that this is our God. Because we've tested him in our lives. We have pushed him to the max. We have tested him and tested him. And he's always faithful to us. And he's so gracious. I mean, he could have just struck down Gideon right there and said, enough of doubting Gideon. Come on. But he didn't. He did it again. That night, verse 40, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. And God proved himself again. How many times has God proved himself to us? How many times has he shown himself faithful? How many times has he blessed us when we didn't deserve it? God is good. 
And we have to remember that. This is what Gideon was learning or relearning. That God is faithful, that God is good. And God was working with him and working with his lack of faith. And praise God that he's like that. That he works with us. And he works with our lack of faith. And he's still patient. Early in the morning, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all has been camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remain. I mean, this is so incredible. Again, again, God proves himself and now he tests Gideon. Now he's calling Gideon to step out on faith. So first of all, Gideon blows the horns, gathers the armies, and he raises 32,000 men. That's not bad for a quick army. But it's still nowhere near the size of the Midianites army. But hey, you know, 32,000, that's a lot of people. So at least you feel some security with 32,000. But God says, no, you've got too much. And he gives a test. The first test is just, hey, anybody scared? Go home. 22,000 people leave. And Gideon's down to 10,000. I mean, imagine what was going through Gideon's mind when that 22,000 are wandering off, when they're heading out. What in the world? We're going against tens of thousands. And he's down to 10,000. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many, too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. I love he says for you. Like Gideon really wanted this. I will thin them out for you there. If I say the one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap up the water from their tongues as dogs laps from the, from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give Midian into your hands. I mean, he's down to 300 against tens of thousands. I mean, that tells you a lot about God. First of all, God loves a challenge. So when you feel challenged, when you feel like your life is challenging, know that God loves that. That God loves to show his strength and to do it in ways that only that could only be God. So sometimes we feel like, man, I'm in a tough situation. Great. You're in a great situation. You're in a God situation. Sometimes you feel like it's going to be impossible for this to happen. Fantastic. That's exactly where God operates best. It's in the biggest challenges All we need to do is have faith. And by now, I mean, Gideon, he is showing remarkable faith. 
I mean, if, if it would have been the same Gideon who was in the wine press, he'd have taken off running. He would have been one of the 22,000 that went home. No. He's there with them. He's down to 300. We should make a movie and call it 300. Oh no, it's been done. This is the other 300. 300 that walk with God. 300 that are chosen by God. With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you from Midianites in your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. By the way, how many swords did they have? Zero. Gideon's the only one with a sword. Gideon's the only one. The other guys are working with a trumpet and a jar of clay. And I don't even mean a nice brass trumpet that maybe you could melt down and make a weapon. We're talking a ram's horn or some kind of a animal horn that if you blow in makes the sound of a trumpet. 300 of them. That's all they have. They have no weapons. Jars of clay. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp because I'm going to give you, give it in your hands. If you are afraid to attack, Go down to the camp with her servant, Pura. So Gideon goes down there, and he hears. In verse 12, the Midianites, the Malachites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. There are so many of them. It's overwhelming. Verse 13, Gideon arrived as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into their his hands. You see, God can do anything. He can prepare the way before we get there. He is working in ways we don't see and we don't know. And he told Gideon, he said, look, if you're scared, if you're as scared, go down and just listen to what these guys are talking about. And just so happens they're talking about him. No, not a coincidence. God can give everybody nightmares. I remember I was standing in the Bible with a guy who was slowing down and wasn't that eager and I, and I literally prayed, God, give him a dream that will fire him up about becoming a Christian. And the most amazing thing happened. He shows up at the study. He goes, dude, I had a nightmare. And he tells me this whole nightmare about rapture and Jesus coming back and him being left. And it was totally God. God gave him that dream because he didn't want to lose him. God moves in powerful ways, ways we don't even know about. And he's doing things we're not even aware of. We need to have faith in him. We need to trust him. That's what he's doing. He's building up Gideon's trust. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. By the way, worshipped doesn't mean he broke out singing. It means that he got on his hands and knees and he put his forehead to the ground and he praised God for what God was doing. We need to do that more because God is doing so many great things.
Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in their hands, all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. And when I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. And when I do, when I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So they, 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 they spread the men around the camp. And I don't, I don't know, you know, it baffles me. What, what, what's up with this jar that they're supposed to break? Now, typically in an army, there would be squadrons or, or troops or legions, you know, and, and there were different numbers depending on the kind of army, but let's say it's a hundred and the group of a hundred would have one person who blows the horn and, 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 and probably has a banner or something or it carries the torch. So you give those three, thir- those 300 men torches and a horn, everybody's going to think it's more like 30,000 men or maybe even more, maybe even 300,000 men, depending on the size of their, of, the, of their troop movements. But whatever it seems, it seems like a lot. And then the breaking of the jars, the only thing I could think of was that, you know, often in ancient times, people would hit their swords on their shields and it would make this clanking sound. And if you broke jars on rocks, they would make a massive loud clanking sound. So probably to the Midianites, it looks like there are hundreds of thousands of soldiers surrounding them and banging their shields. So it's all an illusion that God has put together and, and to cause them to panic. In verse 22, we'll go, we'll go right to the, right to the action. Well, we'll verse 19, get in and the hundred men reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. There's only one sword, so they're yelling a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And he says, while each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. They just panicked. Where did that panic come from? It came from God. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Bashtah to towards Zerah and for the border of Abel, Meholat, or near Tabith. I mean, they just panicked. They started running and fleeing and, and, and long story short, Gideon, his army chases him down. Gideon's chasing him down. He's actually after some of the leaders who hid in a town and he gets there and he asked them if they'd seen him. And in verse 18 it says, he asked Zeba and Zalmanah, what kind of men did you kill at Tabor? Men like you, they answered, each one with the bearing of a prince. You see, they had killed the princes of the Midianites but notice what they say. Each one like you, and they're talking to Gideon. He had the bearing, they said, with the bearing of a prince. What a long ways Gideon went from scared hiding in a wine press to now marching and charging like a prince. What's the difference? Faith. Faith. We face a lot of challenges. We face a lot of difficulties, a lot of obstacles. And every step we take, Satan attacks one way or another. 
And especially in our world today, there are so many issues, so many problems, so many challenges. But remember, God loves the challenge. God loves the weakness. Remember Paul said, I boast in my weakness. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. He shows the world how great he is in our weakness. So no matter your situation, even if it's tough, if it's difficult, it's hard, it doesn't matter because God is great. No matter what resources you lack, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have and watch. Is he not sending us? Does he not call us to change the world? Does he not send us out to be a light to the world? Is he not sending us out with the gospel of truth in a world that's hostile? To change it. To turn on the lights all over the world. Is he not sending us in a world full of hatred to preach the gospel of love and kindness? To a world full of sin to preach a gospel of truth and righteousness? And a, full, and a world full of injustice to show the world justice and mercy and kindness? This is our God. Don't underestimate him. Be like Gideon. Trust in God. Yeah, we got to work out our faith. We got to build it back up. We got to be strong in our confidence in the Lord. Trusting in God. That no matter how outrageous his plan. Because if anything that the Bible shows us, it's not the plan, it's not the man, it's the God who makes the difference. Any plan with the right man connected to God will bring a victory. So our lesson today, no matter where you're at, go in the strength you have. Is not God sending you? God bless you. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.